0: Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio.
1: It's actually been, it, it must be on the air two years since I last talked to you. Uh, I guess so. I think
2: we did an interview at the Christian Resources Exhibition, perhaps we, after the main interview I did with you a couple we, of years ago. We did.
1: And yeah. uh, and of course, we've we've met several times. But uh, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking to, <laughs> it's the Reverend Dr. David Hilborn. But if you don't mind, I won't refer to you as the Reverend Doctor. No, you
2: don't. No, please. I'll David say, will do. I'll
1: say David, yes. <laughs> uh, I'd have to say Blair. You know, as I said, BBC, ITV, WC. I've got many, <laughs> many, many accolades, you know, and other people would have other names for me as well. But yes, we'll not indeed. go into that. David I mean obviously there you are you're, you're leading the work of Theological College that has been your life's work not not just here in, mm. in, in, in locally but of course uh, in other places as well yeah. but how did the whole faith journey begin for you?
2: Well Blair I wasn't uh, from a Christian family particularly my parents did what a lot of parents in South London in the 60s and 70s did when I was growing up, which is go to baptisms, weddings and funerals for members of a very big extended family in that part of the world. Um, But it was really through friends at school uh, that I was drawn to a local congregational church, uh, really more by the Cub Scouts, really. Um, But there was a rule that if you were a Cub, you had to go to Sunday school. I went to Sunday school and there were people there that cared about me, And who shared the goodness of Christ with me. And it was a gradual awakening, to be fair. Um, I was a normal, healthy, boisterous kid at school. Played a lot of sports. But by my mid-teens, my parents' marriage had fallen apart. They got divorced. And I was beginning to ask a lot of big questions. And thanks mainly to a study group at my church... Uh, led by some very faithful youth leaders. Um, I was drawn more and more to Christ. And they took me to some evangelistic meetings around 1978-9, all over the south of England, really. And it was at one of those meetings at Hildenborough Hall between Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells in Kent that there was a concert and a bit of a testimony and a prayer at the end for those who wanted to give their life to Christ. And I prayed that prayer. And really, it was quite a major turning point because the next day I started reading my Bible, um, did what a lot of people do and started at Genesis 1 and then got a bit stuck in numbers and so <laughs> on. But, um, you know, through the nurture and care of those people in particular, I, I was set up well to go to university and join the Christian Union at Nottingham University while I was reading linguistics. And it was during that period, really, I felt a strong call to Christian leadership Um, I tested that out by going abroad with Arab World Ministries to Northern Africa to see whether the calling was to overseas mission work. Uh, But I think I got a strong conviction that I needed to carry on with my studies but turn my attention to theology and just be equipped for leading uh, a church, really, uh, in the first instance. So I was selected for ordination in the United Reformed Church. My church had become a URC church by then and uh, studied theology at Oxford. Um, I was very blessed to have people like Alistair McGrath and Tom Wright on the faculty of theology at the time. Good, sound sort of teachers in the evangelical tradition, which I was beginning to realize was my tradition. And uh, that, that really set me up for all day ministry. I
1: mean, backtracking a little bit, I mean, obviously you, 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 your folks were, were going through some challenges. Yeah. Would you say, looking back on, on, the, on those challenging times, that, that, that in fact that your faith was, that, was, that was the one thing that carried you through those difficulties?
2: Yeah, well, it was certainly a response to quite a lot of uh, catastrophe in our family life. You know, my father left. He married somebody else. My mum was a single mum. She'd been looking after us full time. My dad had a very good job. He was very, very successful in his career as a finance director. Went on to be the finance director of Pirelli General, that international company that makes tyres for Formula One cars and does lots of other things. Um, And uh, we were struggling a bit. um, And I found Christian faith an immense balm and uh, response to that kind of suffering that I saw in that division and that breakdown of uh, family life. Um, uh, But uh, you'll see it in the song choices that I've made for today, that a lot of them reflect the fact that God is a God who takes us through the dark valley and puts us on the mountaintop, that the one and the other aren't mutually exclusive, that they belong together in the story of God's people. You know, they're suffering, but they're also redeemed. Uh, they mess up, but they also are put right by God. That's a, if there's one theme that runs through all these songs, I've been thinking about this on the way over. It's that theme. And that's what I perceived God to be doing in my life when I was in my mid-teens, you know, taking the darkness and the division and the suffering and turning it around. <laughs>
1: Well, that introduces a song, doesn't it? I'll, I'll let you introduce your first song.
2: Yeah, well, this is actually, um, things aren't in chronological sequence. I, I thought about that, but then I thought, no, I'm going to go for something a bit more thematic. So this song is by Delirious, and um, when it was released in 1995, uh, I got married to Mia, who I met at the Theological College in Oxford, um, And we just, I think, had our second child, Alice. Um, Our first child, Matthew, was born in 93, Alice in 95. Um, This is just a beautiful song about God's creation, but also about how he's revealed through creation and also the saving love of Jesus. Um, It's called I Could Sing of Your Love Forever.
3: With love for me And I will open up my heart And let the healer set me free I'm happy to be in the truth And I will daily lift my hands For I will always sing Of when your love came down Yeah I could sing I could sing your love mountains and the sea Your river runs with love for me And I will open up my heart And let the healer set me free I'm happy to be in the truth And I will daily lift my hands For I will always sing Of when your love came down, yeah When the world has seen the light They will dance with joy Like we're dancing now, yeah I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love I know. But when the world Is seen the light They will dance with joy Like we're dancing
1: Well that's the amazing uh, Delirious there uh, and uh, Martin Smith and co with I could sing of your love forever Well David we, we sort of left you where uh, obviously your your parents sadly had gone through separation and, and there you were reading the Bible Now, How did you get on with the Bible? Because I know a lot of Christians very sadly today really struggle with reading the Bible and in fact they, they, they would say that, that, that a lot of Christians don't read the Bible but obviously for you it was a lifeline wasn't
2: it? Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, Blair, I was a bit nerdy at school. I mean, I played a lot of sports, so that got me out of being classed as a complete nerd. But I was quite nerdy. I read a lot. I always had a passion for reading. So on one level, the Bible was a book that was fascinating. Um, I loved English literature, uh, so you can't really read Milton or Blake or whatever without knowing your Bible. It certainly helps a lot if you know your Bible to read the great Canon of English literature. So, particularly heading into A level doing literature there and then university, my first degree was in English studies, so it was language and literature. Um, the Bible was always uh, there as a sort of text that informed my thinking, but that devotional reading of scripture began with my conversion. And yeah, I can't pretend that, you know, I was the most perfect uh, observer of uh, quiet times, you know, like everybody. I was a bit up and down and it still is to some extent. And One thing I'm very grateful for is that at Moreland's every morning, the staff pray at a particular set time, and that's a real discipline for me. Um, It's the thing I did before I got in the car and came here. Um, And therefore, I think I'm always – how can I put it? I never regret opening the Bible because there's always riches to be gleaned from it. Um, Sometimes the very practice of opening the Bible and seeking God's guidance – when you're in a busy life can actually take a second place and of course it shouldn't but it sometimes does so I, I you know I've worked up various disciplines in my life to make sure I stay close to scripture but as a preacher too the, the preparation of sermons and talks or anything where you've got by the bible as the basis is just such a joy and I can look at a passage of scripture after all these years and see the structure and think right what can I say from this that's fresh what makes sense in terms of it could be points for a sermon or it could be just a general framework but that never ceases to enthrall me i have to say
1: now for people maybe who struggle to read the bible yeah. or, uh, i mean it might be something to do with the version that they're yeah, reading yeah, it might, yeah. like it's stuck in the genesis exodus yeah, yeah. as you say uh, um, um, or they just haven't got themselves into the habit what what sort of advice would, would you give like to the sort of yeah. novice who maybe wants to do a bit more but maybe doesn't know how to get into it
2: Well, I mean, um, as head of a theological college, uh, I need to say that if you're studying theology formally, um, a a fairly accurate translation like the New International Version or the New Revised Standard Version or something like that, the English Standard Version, um, would be advisable. But um, for a new Christian, somebody feeling their way in the faith, I'm not sure that you necessarily need to start with those versions um i didn't i started actually with the living bible which in the 70s and 80s was quite a big thing jb phillips very very plain language translation even plainer in some ways than the good news bible which is what we used at my church in the junior church section and i think the fact that i had those versions available to me in plain english was a great help it didn't put me off if I'd been in an environment where the only uh, text that was used or acceptable was the King James version, for example. I think I might have struggled. But, um, I mean, I've come to love the King James version subsequently very, very much. But um, I do think that I would advise people to not just to read a a plainer language version of the Bible. Good news is, is, I think, probably the best of the plain language versions. Um, but also to get all of those helps. We're talking about Keith Jones later. So here's a plug. Um, I'm not being paid for this, by the way, folks. But, you know, there are so many aids to Bible reading for the absolute beginner right through to somebody just on the cusp of I think we're going to be
1: talking about some of them a bit later. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Fantastic. Well, I didn't know that, but that's that's providential. Um, so even today in my, my library at Morelands, where I've got, you know, big, heavy tomes uh, on. Fine points of doctrine. Um, there are these basic introductions to the scriptures, which I still go back to because if I'm teaching a a beginners class um, and talking to a group of people who haven't got any sort of formal theological education, I think right, okay, somebody's thought through how they will communicate to the recent convert here. I need to take a, a leaf out of their book, um, and you know, I still go back to those. With their colour charts and their simple introductions Um, So two things really Um, A simple plain language version of the scriptures To start with, good news maybe Um, uh, Although it has its flaws, you know um, It's been around for a long time and quite proven And those really excellent sort of intros to the scriptures For the absolute beginner That are much more widely available than when I became a Christian in 1979
1: well, I think we'll have another piece of music. And yes. then we'll never down to Keith Johns.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about the scriptures, um, you too. Here we are. So in the 70s, I began to get into rock music um, and other kinds of music very seriously and thought of myself as quite sort of uh, quite cool. In that, I read the New Musical Express and the Melody Maker every week. And I I'd, I'd sort of define myself to some extent by what bands and artists I was into, like a lot of my friends did at school. And one of the struggles I had was that a lot of Christian groups, though they did produce some good music and I listened to it on the choir, it was a bit unsound to admit that you were into, you know, whatever um, in those days. But then this band came along from Ireland called U2, who I didn't actually know at the beginning were a Christian group in the sense that three of them were very committed Christians. Um, And it's only really when I began to listen seriously to their lyrics that I thought, my goodness, I think they probably are Christians. And um, the first two albums had hints of that. And then uh, their third album, War, which came out when I was an undergraduate, um, really hit home. And this song is from that album. But this is a live version of it. Um, And it's called 40 because it's just basically Psalm 40 being sung. And that really hit me in the solar plexus. I thought, my goodness, there's music that I would have loved anyway that was quite, you know, kind of cool. And they're singing scripture. And the whole crowd, many of whom won't be Christians, are singing along with them. This is quite extraordinary. And I saw them then live in 1984 at Brixton Academy just after the riots in Brixton had devastated that part of London. And at the end of the concert, they sang this as an encore. And the whole crowd trooped out of Brixton Academy, down Brixton High Street, singing David's Psalm 40. And I thought, this is, this is quite s- something. And of course, they went on to mega fame, and everybody knows about you too, pretty much. But that moment of walking down Brixton High Street, singing this song, is one of the most profound moments of my life. 40!
1: Getting back to your good self, uh, for those of you who have just joined us, my very special guest today uh, is the principal of Morelands uh, College here locally, that's uh, David Hillborn, And we've been talking about a bit like this life journey, really, and we haven't got very far. Um, <laughs> but I mean, obviously, you were drawn to study and to theology. How did that then pan out in what was to be your life's work?
2: So, uh, when I was training for Christian ministry in Oxford, at Mansfield College, Oxford, for the United Reformed Church it was in those days. I became an Anglican later, but it was URC. Um, I got a real kind of yen for theological study and applied, before I even finished my degree, I th- well, it was certainly my training, for a PhD. And I ended up um, studying for a PhD under Tony Thistleton, one of the leading biblical scholars, uh, particularly of hermeneutics, the interpretation of scripture. In the world, and yeah, Tony was fantastic, and I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and at the end of that, um, I thought God would be calling me into a theological teaching career immediately, and that, that's where I was destined. Uh, I got married by then, and uh, it seemed like you know thinking about long term career that was the way to go. But I got jolted out of that because God called me to a church in Central London, um, and I was pastor for that and another church for the next sort of seven or eight years, but just towards the end of that time uh, I wrote a book on uh, Christianity and contemporary culture called Picking Up the Pieces for Hodder and Stoughton and um, that caught the attention of people at the Evangelical Alliance. They asked me to do some theological advisory work and I ended up working for them for 10 years as their (laughs) head of theology and during that period very kindly the principal of London School of Theology Derek Tibble asked me to be an associate research fellow there which gave me teaching opportunities. I examined a doctoral thesis or two and that really was a next step in the the rung towards becoming a full-time theological educator. Um, Also with the EA I I did publish quite a number of books um, either edited books uh, with lots of essays in or under my own name and that really was also consolidating that sense that yeah I was being called to ultimately to a theological teaching and educating career.
1: Now, of course, more, more recently, as you said, that teaching of others has been preparing others yeah. you know for for christian service and, and and so on, reflecting you know uh, on that would you would you have thought that that 's what you'd be doing as your primary
2: well I think that 's a perfect combination for me because i 've always been somebody who cares passionately about the local church blair um, i 've been a pastor myself uh, i 've even as a full time educator i 've stayed on ministry teams of churches. And uh, helped out with preaching, pastoral care, all the rest of it. Uh, so for me, the Morland's vision, actually, of Christian theology applied, um, equipping people passionate about Jesus to impact the church and the world, is about, yes, very good theological reflection and work uh, in the academic stuff. But also applying that and making sure that has uh, value in the local church at the grassroots. Uh, so... Bringing those two things together has always been really important to me. So working in theological colleges where people are Christian and committed to the mission of God and to evangelism and faith sharing, uh, but doing that with a real solid foundation of good theological study. Uh, with faculty who write books, great people like Chris Sinkinson, and Helen Morris, uh, Ian Coffey on our staff, Andy Defer who, who are published authors in theology. That's really inspiring. These are all people who also have a role to play in their local churches and in the, the wider church who speak at big Christian festivals and conferences. It's just a fantastic environment to work in. Everybody's passionate and committed to uh, the gospel, but um, want also very high standards um, in the uh, more formal theological work that we do.
1: Now before we get to Morelands, yeah. which of course where you're currently at, of
2: course that you had uh, how many years at St John's? Well I was, um, so I left the Evangelical Alliance after a decade, really fabulous experience working for some really great people there and then um, my next step was that I helped set up St Melitus College. Um, I headed up a theological training course in North London for the Church of England, uh, having become an Anglican by that point um, and uh, that then linked with the Holy Trinity Brompton School of Theology, uh, St. Paul's School of Theology, as it was known. Uh, and the merged entity became St. Melitus College. And it was thrilling and inspiring to set that up. I was there for six years as uh, Assistant Dean and Director of Studies. And uh, it was a phenomenal experience. It grew absolutely with the most amazing grace um, from God. Uh, from an institution of about, I guess, 60, 70 students to where it is uh, now, it's about 300. Um, but, you know, it'd already grown, I think, sort uh, about 180 by the time I left. Um, and it just was very mission minded and really inspiring. Um, it didn't have any students living on campus, it w- worked on a placement based model or a mixed mode model, uh, which is also exciting to try and explore that. But then God called me to head up um, St. John's College in Nottingham for another six years. um, And that went through a lot of change as well. That was um, uh, eventually kind of uh, folded into a bigger mission vision for the East Midlands uh, in the Church of England, which is going forward actually in partnership with St. Melitus College. Uh, my old college, which is kind of interesting.
1: So with St Melitus and indeed St John's, was yeah. that mainly training folk for the Anglican ministry or was it broader than Largely that?
2: Largely Church of England uh, ministry, yes. We had some from the other uh, churches of uh, the Anglican tradition in the UK, Church of Ireland and Church in Wales, Episcopal Church of Scotland, mainly Church of England, with some independent students from other traditions, but, but largely it was Anglican. So both the St Malitus experience and the St John's experience were, were, were focused on the Church of England, but there, there were a goodly number of students from other uh, denominations and networks. And that was good, because when I worked for the Evangelical Alliance, I really was inspired by the fact that it tried to represent gospel ministry and gospel churches all over the uk um and about a third were anglican but two-thirds other traditions and the interesting thing is that that's been a very big part of my ministry christian unity a passion for christian unity when i worked for the church of england uh, in theological education i was on its main committee doctrine committee which also spoke to other traditions and tried to explain and understand and find common ground with other traditions um, around the gospel. And I found that really interesting. And now I've been called to Morelands, which, of course, although it has brethren roots, is avowedly interdenominational. Um, it doesn't represent one particular church tradition. And I revel in the fact that we get along together, even though some are Pentecostal, some are FIEC, some are Congregational, some are Anglican Baptist, whatever. I think that's really exciting.
1: I think that introduces uh, another song.
2: Yeah, it does. So uh, talking about a mix of traditions, um, one of the things that happened when I was at university in Nottingham in the early 80s was that um, I encountered a lot more Pentecostal and charismatic Christians who talked to me about the Holy Spirit. That wasn't so much my background that the Spirit's gifts and fruit would be palpable in my life. And thanks to the ministry of a uh, Pentecostal church called Torbett Street and other Pentecostal and charismatic students, I did begin to explore those gifts. And that's been an important part of my journey at Blair. But one of the other things that's folded into that is working with Pentecostals at the Evangelical Alliance. Joel Edwards, who was general director at the time, is my boss, Black Pentecostal, uh, David Muir, who's now at Roehampton University, again, Pentecostal theologian, And uh, that sort of turned me on to gospel music, black gospel music. And this is a brilliant example from my university days, actually, from some way back, 1983. uh, Pick me up, and it's by a wonderfully named choir called the Inspirational Choir of the Pentecostal Firstborn Church of the Living God. Try and say that um, (laughs) (laughs) 10 times over without stripping up, but Mm. it's great.
4: to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Hope FM, proud broadcast partners of Age UK Bournemouth Supporting older people in Bournemouth, Paul, Christchurch and East Dorset to live happy, healthy and independent lives To find out more, visit ageuk.org.uk forward slash Bournemouth There
5: are hundreds of ways you can let someone know you're thinking of them You can say it with a thoughtful card, a beautiful gift or maybe just the right book keith jones christian bookshop has thousands of books cds dvds cards and gifts to encourage motivate and inspire so come along to two hinton road bournemouth to see for yourself buy online at keithjones.co.uk or call us on 01202 292 272 keith jones christian bookshop so many ways to show you care
4: you're listening to community now on hope fm with keith jones bookshop serving the community for over 50 years visit keithjones.co.uk
1: And my very special guest today is the Reverend David Hilborn. David is principal at Morelands uh, College. So, David, how did, I mean, obviously you you were heavily involved in theological training. You outlined just before the break there uh, all those things that you were involved in. Mm. The call to Morelands, um, did that come as as a
2: surprise? Well, I'd known Steve Brady, the previous principal, for many years, since the late 90s. I actually knew the principal before him, Derek Copley, through the work I did with the Evangelical Alliance further afield in Europe, because Derek had a real vision for Europe. Um, And therefore, I had a link with Morelands. Uh, One member of my support group was a graduate of Morelands, a Baptist minister called Robert Amos, when I was at the Evangelical Alliance. So I knew of Morelands. I visited Morelands for conferences from time to time. And Steve Brady and I had a good dialogue. Um, And it was really when Steve decided that God was calling him to step down after 20 years of ministry as principal, brilliant uh, period of growth and development for Morelands, uh, that he approached me and said, look, I think you'd be a good candidate for the job. Why don't you think about applying? And I guess I'd reached a certain point where that would be something I would consider. It was a tough decision in some ways because it was more uprooting if you're, in public ministry, you do have to get used to moving on from time to time. So I thought, yeah, you know, is this the time? And it seemed absolutely the moment I came onto campus and met the staff and students and the trustees, I thought, yeah, I could work here. This is a great place. Steve's left a really brilliant platform to build on. And uh, long story short, I got the job and here I am two years later. And I really, every single day, I give thanks to God for that saying yes to that move because it's been a a thrill I think that it's so close to where I would be theologically um, it's evangelical it's generous it's clear about the gospel um, it's enthusiastic about young people and youth ministry we have a whole particular youth work track through our BA Um, uh, Lots of exciting things going on. We've just partnered up with uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators to form a new school of language and scripture. And that loops back to the fact my first degree was in linguistics or English language and linguistics. So, I mean, just I really, really am so blessed and privileged to be uh, leading Morelands. Um, There's some family I have in the New Forest and that's worked out really well. My stepmom lives in Brockenhurst. So just all sorts of really great things
1: well i suppose we could count your first year as being sort of settling in yeah. and finding your feet but, yeah relatively
2: well, normal first year yeah but my goodness <laughs>
1: what, what a unprecedented oh yeah <laughs> almost not quite a year but almost yeah. a year yeah it, it's been what's it been like for for you guys at morons having to deal with the pandemic
2: well um i say that firstly my colleagues and the students and indeed the members of our board have been brilliant um they've stepped up to the plate none of us saw this coming of course if you'd asked me this time last year uh, what I would think the year 2020 would hold for Moorlands, it wouldn't have included COVID-19 of course but um, the minute it was clear that this was something more than just a, a flu wave um, we got into gear formed a special response group um, and involved the students in that as well as the staff everybody was given roles which they performed superbly. Um, We just at the beginning of this calendar year appointed a full-time communications director, Karen Todd, who's on our leadership team and boy was that providential because it seems to me looking at the rest of higher education that messaging, communications are key. People need to know within the uncertainties that are there from the government decision-making they need to know where they stand and our students have been very positive about our messaging to them um, and what we've put in place to enable them for example to continue with face-to-face teaching at Christchurch our campus there in this autumn term for the summer term we were online like every other higher education institution Uh, we had to move everything online that was done double quick time but we'd already moved in that direction with something called blended learning anyway um, folding in the the online experience to the classroom experience to enhance the classroom experience so we were set up well for that we've learned a lot as we've gone we've been able to do class based teaching at our Christchurch campus this term with social distancing and all perspex screens and all sorts of protocols but I think students have really appreciated that commitment to the optimum education experience now having said that um, uh, because of government decrees our teaching will move online next week fully, um, and we'll do um, special block weeks for our MA students and from other students, placement-based students, online for a couple of weeks leading into the Christmas vacation. Mm. But um, again, it's been it's it's been crisis management. It's been um, spirit of the Blitz kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've dealt with uh, anxieties and people getting tired. All of us get tired, don't we? Staring at a screen mm. all day. We've had to. You know, factor those things in but on the whole I am so proud of my team and of the students who have been magnificent I think we have some more music yeah of course so this actually brings us bang up to date in that um, uh, this song was chosen by the student worship band we have a student worship band at Morelands and uh, every graduation I've uh, introduced the idea that I pick some of the songs but they get to pick one or two themselves for the graduation and last year uh, when we were still in normality um, at the graduation back in November the students chose this song and it's Glorious Day this version by Christian Stanfield
6: I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind
3: Of weight It was my turn Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried It was my yeah. Till I made You come my name
4: To Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop. Serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk.
1: Well, of course, uh, the Reverend David Hilborn, uh, who heads up the work at Morelands uh, is my sp- special guest, has been uh, last hour and remains all of this hour, which, which is great. Now, David, obviously running a theological college and particularly what we've been going through, what we are going through, it must have led to some interesting Uh, Discussion. so have you guys yet solved who's responsible for (laughs) all that we are going through at the moment
2: well um there's a question i think that clearly in scripture god sometimes does deliberately unleash plagues on people okay Uh, we know about that from the experience of uh, the israelites trying to escape the bonds of pharaoh in egypt um We know that in the book of Revelation, that is something that will be unleashed on the world. But for the most part, I think it's unwise to believe that every single plague and how far you take it down is every single instance of the common cold or whatever, because they're coronaviruses as well, of course, cold viruses, um, you know, is directly sent by God as some kind of judgment. I, I think that's unwise because I don't see that that's the... Uh, way that scripture uh, treats disease and illness. Um, There are instances where people get sick um, or they're born blind, to take one episode from John's Gospel, The Man Born Blind, where the ascription of blame or agency is problematic. I think the main thing is with this virus to say that it's here, it's the product of a groaning creation, a fallen world. Uh, Romans 8 talks about all creation being in tumult or groaning or birth pangs or whatever it's painful because uh, the world is not as it should be God is therefore on a project to restore it to where it should be and there are going to be some difficult times along the way and this is one of them Um, uh, we have this disease that's gone around the world and it seems to me that the calling of Christians is to provide the hope and the healing and the pastoral care that Jesus showed people who were sick, um, and that questions about who 's to blame for this plague are secondary. They were in that episode of the man born blind in john 's gospel. Uh, people want to know who sinned was it this man or his parents and all that kind of thing. They asked those questions about origin and uh, and responsibility and jesus said no let 's just focus on this person 's current affliction um, and and bring healing and bring Um, wholeness to that person and that's what uh, you know very brave people who are Christians motivated by their Christian faith are doing in the NHS in churches up and down the land uh, in um, the support they're giving albeit online or down a phone line to parishioners or neighbours or fellow Christians or people who are not Christians in their neighbourhood and it seems to me that that's where we get our priorities right. Um, There's one other thing that's uh, floating around I think which we probably need to talk about which is How do we deal with that balance that has to be struck between our freedom to be together as Christians, to worship, to preach the gospel, that kind of thing, and the government restrictions and our duty to be good citizens uh, from Romans 13 and texts like that? What I've said to the students just in the last week at Morelands College actually is um, Galatians 5 is quite interesting. Uh, Paul begins that verse 1 by saying it is for freedom Christ has set us free and you might think that that's a real kind of uh, proof text for lockdown sceptics who say all well, these mask wearing is nonsense let's ignore it God will protect us but actually read further forward into verse 13, 14 and so on and it talks of how you must not abuse the freedoms God's given you in putting pressure on your neighbour because the most important thing is that you love your neighbour Jesus said that you know uh, next to loving God With all our heart, mind, soul and strength, it's loving our neighbour as ourselves. And one expression of loving our neighbour is to protect them, to care for them, to help them. Uh, Make sure they don't get sick. Make sure they don't die if they're older, uh, particularly. Um, They're more likely to do that. Um, I I also have drawn folks' attention this week to a letter written by Martin Luther. It's quoted in Tom Wright's very good book, God and the Virus, um, uh, that he published a few months ago. Uh, Luther, you know, in the 1500s, Martin Luther, great Protestant church leader, is faced with loads of plagues and pandemics that kill people. Much more common in uh, five centuries ago that people died of this stuff. Um, and in this letter to Christian uh, citizens and Christian uh, citizen leaders, uh, he says, look, I'm going to um, absolutely revel in the freedom God's given me to preach the gospel. I'm not going to stop doing that in whatever way is possible. But by the same token, I'm going to fumigate my house. I'm going to, you know, the version of hand sanitizing, whatever it was in those days. I'm going to look to hygiene so that I don't actually cause distress to others because that ain't the gospel. If you are causing distress to others, if you're risking their well being and their lives, that's not a good expression of the good news of Jesus. So that balance between freedom and obedience, really, in a sense, or serving the other is critical. Uh, Seems to me theologically at this time.
1: Of course, this has come very close to home for you. Yeah, because your wife Mia has been at the front line with the NHS. Yeah, and and of course, and your daughter also, who was already suffering from cancer, then contracted the virus. That must have been quite challenging for you.
2: Well, Mia um, is a senior hospital chaplain, and she's been working every day since the virus hit with patients who've got COVID. So she has to go through all the PPE. She has to um, abandon her clothes. She has to wash assiduously at uh, the clothes that she's been uh, working in. Um, and for a period during the full lockdown, um, she had to stay in hospital accommodation because, at that, as you say, at that time, our daughter uh, Alice was going through some pretty brutal chemotherapy for acute myeloid leukaemia. She was diagnosed actually on New Year's Day this year, our daughter, with that, out of the blue. Um, she'd been a little bit under the weather for a couple of weeks, and then suddenly this diagnosis. And um, and she was in hospital for a long time going through chemotherapy. And on the second round of chemo, I think it was, she contracted coronavirus, which was a very dark day for us, as you can imagine. But miraculously, she she weathered it, and... Um, it was a mild dose. She's 24. She's very fit and healthy otherwise. And um, she's she's recovered, uh, not only from that, but from the cancer itself. She's in remission, which is just astonishing. And the prayers of hundreds of friends and, and contacts have been uh, fed into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's made me very acutely aware of the importance of uh, following the um, guidelines uh, on social distancing and sanitization. In Alice's case it was shielding and I had to do it because Mia being frontline frontline NHS worker was told you can't look after your daughter. Can you imagine that's, that's mm. immensely difficult because you're too much of a risk to her in, you know, with the blood counts being down to zero at times. And of
1: course that can be replicated over and over yeah. again by so many different yeah. situations.
2: Yeah absolutely and um, you know look Blair, and I'm sure many others out here would echo this, I want nothing more than to get back into a church and sing in unison with people, stood by my side, praising the Lord. I want nothing more than to be preaching a sermon to a full congregation, you know, in a church, rather than to a camera, which I'm doing at the moment, or to a few scattered members of the ministry team in our in our auditorium at, at Morelands or wherever. Um, but, you know, this will pass, a vaccine or three vaccines coming down the track. Uh, Thank the Lord, um, because God's in that whole process of vaccination um, and, you know, blessing our scientists to put that together in double quick time. And by Easter, we may be looking at something like a return to normality.
1: Well, I'm going to do something naughty now because I'm, yeah. I'm not told you I'm going to do this. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to choose a track. Okay, uh, go for it, go for and, it. Uh, and, and this sort of, I guess, it's a track by Darlene Chek, yeah. uh, formerly of yeah. Hill, and so, on, so on. Um But it sort of highlights that even in those very, very dark moments, and I'm sure you must have had your own d- dark times with, 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 with your daughter and also been concerned about Mia, uh, you know, yeah. as well. This is His Eye is on the Sparrow. Yeah. That, of course, is a darling check there, and uh, your eye is on the sparrow. So, obviously, you obviously talked about your your own challenges there, but mm. I I guess that for many others, you know, before COVID struck, um, the, the spiritual temperature of the nation mm. wasn't particularly hot here in the UK, although yeah. that's not the case in other parts of... The world, no, no. But, but do you think that, that, that in, 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 in a strange sort of way that, that the, the adversity, the things that people are facing, has made them think again about the reality of God?
2: Well, this is a tough one to call, I think, Blair, because we're still in the middle of it, aren't we? Um, there are signs of hope. I think um, the fact that a lot of people have accessed online services apparently who didn't go to church regularly, that's a very hopeful sign. But in that lull between um, the end of lockdown and that period where churches were beginning to get together again, um, the evidence was that some people were falling away or deciding to access online where they could have attended in person. So it's really a bit early to make predictions. But what I would say more generally is that an event like this should reset priorities it should be an opportunity for the church to ask the question okay what really matters in life because if you ask most people uh, right now where they have reset their perspective it would be to say family really is and my loved ones really are the most important thing to me Um, obviously as Christians we say God is the most important thing to us but trying to tap into that general mood it ain't going to the uh, retail mall, and buying as many consumer goods as I can. It's not the next big car that I can get. It's not the promotion at work. It is things that are more durable, that matter more, the love of my family um, and my friends. And I think that that's where we can begin a conversation because what gives meaning to all of that stuff, that instinct to uh, community, that instinct to... Uh, have compassion for others and care for others it is the love of god we're made in his image he's a loving father uh, he shows that love supremely in jesus and it it's great that we could have that dialogue i think in a place of a vulnerability for people where they're willing to ask the big questions so let's pray and hope um, that both in this moment through our online witness um, largely the discussion with the neighbor over the garden fence as well but so much is online at the moment that we build on that when we all can return to physical meetings and worship that we ask our friends along that we say there's something here that's um eternal that is long lasting that goes to those core values that you have kind of in your heart many of you um but it contextualizes those things and it pulls them into eternity it's not just even for this life it's for everlasting uh, life um so I'm I'm deeply hopeful that the church will see this as a moment of opportunity. Um it's a cliche but that Greek word crisis is both about judgment and opportunity. Um, and uh, let's make sure that we take those opportunities as fully as we can.
1: One area, of course, that you will be more familiar with is the recruitment of theological colleges. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the, the theological colleges have been struggling in yeah. recent years. Yeah. Uh, but, but actually, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me at the broad range of people mm. that you've attracted to morons. Yeah. Has that trend for uh, well, actually, I was going to say younger people. Actually, you get a mixed age of people attending yeah. theological training at yeah. once. Yeah. Uh, has that
2: has has that been increasing? Yeah. Well, I mean, we uh, were so thrilled uh, in September to count the enrolments uh, higher than last September, which is extraordinary given COVID. It seems like um, students decided, particularly for the residential training, which was up quite considerably on last year, to. Uh, in a sense get out of lockdown and come to university or come to college in our case Um, now of course that's hedged around with all the protocols of all the social distancing and the rest but you know we were oversubscribed on our campus this September we give thanks to God for that Um, and 25 more students came through the door to start courses this year than did last year which is again extraordinary I think being realistic we have to see the impact of the virus going into the spring term on recruitment for september 21 the proof of the pudding in a sense will be there but um all i can say is that we've worked as hard as we can at the college to make the student experience as good as it can be and that's been reciprocated in student experience surveys they've they've given us you know very high marks for the way we've we've handled that now we mustn't be complacent there's quite a way to go Um, but I'm hopeful that Moreland's in the promises it can make and what it's delivered this year would be a a wonderful place for people to come and study theology. There are great other theological colleges, of course, and I chair an association of theological college principals and I care for each one of those principals very deeply. And the frank fact is that if if our theological colleges more generally all uh, increase their recruitment, that would be good for the kingdom of God um and i want to see you know thriving theological colleges all over the place but of course my primary responsibility is to moorlands and we're very very pleased that recruitment was up this year despite covid another song i think another song okay well this is quite um this is quite good in the sense that you know getting priorities right is something that uh, uh, is at the heart of this song uh, bob dylan great fan of bob dylan myself i'm um, showing my age uh, but nonetheless i think he's a absolutely genius kind of lyricist and songwriter um he had a period in the 70s where he came out very overtly for evangelical christian faith for three years or so made three albums to that effect um, every album he's done has been suffused with his biblical sensibility as a jewish guy steeped in the scriptures um but for that period he really nailed it nailed it and uh, laid it on the line and this is called gotta serve somebody
7: I'd like to dance You may be the heavyweight champion of the world You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls But you're gonna have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord But you're gonna have to serve somebody rock and roll addict dancing on the stage money of drugs at your command women in a cage you may be a businessman or some high degree thief they may call you doctor or they may call you chief but you're gonna have to serve somebody yes you are you're gonna have to serve some You're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. You may be a state trooper. You may be a young Turk. Maybe the head of some bigger TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or lame. Maybe living in another country under another name. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Maybe you're a construction worker working on a home, maybe living in a mansion. You might live in a you may own guns and you may even own tanks You may be somebody's landlord, you may even own banks But you're gonna have to serve somebody serve Yes, somebody. you're gonna have to serve somebody. serve somebody Well, it may be the devil may be the Lord But you're gonna have to serve somebody Preacher, spiritual, spiritual pride. Maybe a city councilman taking bribes on the side. Maybe working in a barber shop, you may know how to cut hair. It may maybe somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir. But well, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be. Devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody might like to wear cotton, might like to wear silk, might like to drink whiskey, might like to drink milk, might like to eat caviar, you might like to eat bread, maybe sleeping on the floor. Sleeping in a king size bed But you're gonna have to serve somebody serve Yes, indeed, somebody. you're gonna have to serve somebody serve somebody Well, it may be the devil Or it may be the Lord But you're gonna you have to serve somebody or You may call me Terry, Or you may call me Timmy You may call me Bobby You may call me Zimmy You may call me RJ You may call me Ray You may call me anything No matter what you say You're still gonna have to serve somebody Serve somebody Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody Serve somebody Well, it may be the devil And it may be the Lord But you're gonna have to serve somebody
4: You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop. Serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk
1: Here
5: at Keith
4: Jones Christian
5: Bookshop, we've been serving the communities of Bournemouth, Paul and Christchurch for more than 60 years. Whether it's supplying resources for churches and schools, providing bookstores for all kinds of events or finding that ideal book, CD, gift or card for each and every occasion. We've also been given Christian Resources Together's Large Retailer of the Year Award an unprecedented four times. So visit us online at keithjones.co.uk, pop in to 2 Hinton Road, Bournemouth, or call us on 01202 292 272. Keith Jones, we're more than just
4: a bookshop. Hi, Matt. I haven't seen you for ages. Hi, Joe. How's the business going? Nice shirt, by the way. Business is good, thanks. And uh, I got the shirt from Ace Office Environments. What? The office stationery people? Well, that's how I first came across them. It turns out they do all sorts. From furniture and paper to promotional goods and... Safety boots? Don't tell me you got them from Ace too. Uh, I did, actually. One supplier, one bill, one payment. Call Ace on 01202 240 00 and make your business life easier. Ace Office Environments, for all your daily business needs hope fm proud broadcast partner of the dorset race equality council empowering dorset communities in the fight against racism for more information visit dorsetrec.org.uk you're listening to community now on hope fm with keith jones bookshop serving the community for over 50 years visit keithjones.co.uk
1: and of course the principal of Morlands. uh uh, David Hilborn is my very special guest uh, uh, today so David uh, obviously you've got this task of training these uh, young people Mm. not not just young but people from all ages Mm. uh, to prepare them for works of ministry Mm. which will take them into Christian service not just necessarily within the established church but all forms of Christian service so what do you think are the key building blocks I know working it out Mm. is a very Mm. important one
2: yeah yeah so (laughs) indeed yeah well um, Our ethos is really built around a combination of spiritual, practical, academic and relational dynamics. Um, We aren't just interested in the degree class that students will get when they finish their formal studies with us. We want them to be more in love with Jesus. We want them to be more energized by sharing the gospel. But also one of the things that we are very big on teaching is um, pastoral care and uh, pastoral counseling is a feature of some of our courses certainly and um, just overcoming those difficulties that people face when they um, have relationship breakdown like my parents did and that kind of thing the compassion of Christ um, and the fact that he's a reconciler and uh, the skills that we uh, try to imbue in students are around peacemaking and reconciliation so uh, you know that is partly why I've chosen this next track although the truth is that I'm just a massive fan of the Beatles and um, that For me, you know, it's never gone away since I first heard their music as a kid. I've just loved them. Um, I appreciate that it's quite hard to get a gospel message out of most of the Beatles stuff. Although generally they are positive and they want people to get on and they're about peace and love. Um, This song, though, is a little bit more profound called We Can Work It Out. And it kind of does speak to, um, in an oblique way, that instinct that I have to bring people together together to overcome divisions in the church to help people be reconciled for Christ
6: Try to see it my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on While you see it your way Run the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone We can work it out We can work it out Think of what you're saying You can get it wrong and still it's all right Think of what I'm saying We can work it out and get it straight I'll say good night We can work it out There's a chance that we might fall apart before too long We can work it out, we can work it out Life is very short and there's no time For fussing and fighting, my friend I have always thought that it's a crime Try to see it my way Only time will tell if I am right or I am wrong While you see it your way There's a chance that we might fall apart before too long We can work it out We can work it out
1: Oh, yes. David was boogieing in the studio here. That was, was it the year after you were born? Yeah, I was born in
2: 1964. There we are. I've given away my age. Uh, That was released in 1965. My goodness, Blair, don't get me on to Beatles trivia. I could be here all night. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I just love them. I mean, they're just, the music lasts. Um, Young people come, discover them, and realise what extraordinary songwriters and musicians they were. And I think that probably Lennon and McCartney, the greatest songwriters mm. of the 20th century.
1: I have a quote here from John Lennon. So John Lennon said, count your age by friends, not years. Yeah. Uh, and count your life by smiles, not yeah. not tears. Yeah. I mean, it was I mean, obviously a sad loss, but I mean, he, he did have... Yeah. Some interesting
2: things to say, didn't he? One of his better moments. Yeah, he did say some things, obviously, about uh, religion and the church, which were yeah. <laughs> less supportable, perhaps. But um, even, I mean, to be fair, that comment he made in 1966 about the Beatles being bigger than Jesus, I think that was actually just a comment on the way popular culture was actually taking over young people's sensibility. And it wasn't yeah. necessarily a, a, a thing that he said with great pride and was much misunderstood at the time. But yeah, I mean, actually, to be fair, if I have to choose and and big Beatles fans usually have this debate I'm more of a McCartney man than a Lennon man myself but there you go (laughs) (laughs) No, our time's almost running out and we've got two songs we've got to get in
1: yeah Um, if somebody wanted to um either get to know the Bible a bit better because mm. I, know, I know people don't have to with mourners you don't have to give up two or three years yeah. there's lots and lots of ways in which people can access mm. yeah. what, what you guys are, are doing how is the, is the best way for them to find out about all of that through your website
2: yeah well there's loads of stuff on our website uh, you can see students give testimony you can see mini lectures you can have virtual open days we're in that now of course with COVID um, and you can get links to what colleagues have written Uh, in terms of papers and books but um, one other thing I would say is that we do this evening class called Equipped which is uh, online uh, um, from uh, next year Um, it's a bit of a break at the moment but it's going to uh, resume in the new year and you can find out all about that from our website absolutely Um, and that's a way in to theology because uh, typically it would be an evening class with uh, live attendance in our wonderful auditorium the Wessex Auditorium And people like Chris Sinkinson and Chris Jack, colleagues, uh, Helen Morris, will unpack the scriptures, Christian history, Christian theology for people who just want to feel their way in. But it's a brilliant platform for then going on and doing uh, one of our degree courses. Uh, So uh, the other thing we do is a foundation year for those um, who don't want to dive straight into a degree, particularly if you've been at school and you need a bit of a. A bridge across to doing a degree. Um, then our foundation year is a great opportunity. I'm teaching foundation year students tomorrow, actually, um, and so you go in at what we call level three, and then you scale up to do uh, your BA the year after. You
1: smile when you said that. Yeah. I can tell where your heart is. Yeah. You know, absolutely, still in the classroom. there are yeah, it? yeah, very much. Let's have uh, your. Penultimate song.
2: Okay, um, so we've taken a bit of a detour into artists that would tend to be regarded more as secular than sacred, I suppose. But here's a combo of um, uh, somebody who's regarded as a very spiritual songwriter, but it's hard to pin down in terms of particular doctrine, Van Morrison, uh, fellow Irishman um and you've had a few uh, Irish yeah, tracks yeah, today yeah we, we have actually UK, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, of Ireland uh, both north and south by the way um and uh yeah so I'm just so moved by his music I love the guy I know he's a curmudgeon I know he's not necessarily the most uh, uh gracious of people but when he opens his mouth uh, my goodness there's such passion I love him um but he Extraordinary in 1989, he linked up with Cliff Richard, who, of course, is a full on kind of committed Christian publicly. And they did this song together, very unexpected, but it's joyous and it's wonderful. It's called Whenever God Shines His Light.
3: Jesus name
1: these dark times all through the program today we've been talking about uh, the wonderful hope that there is in the gospel i really thank you david for thank you Blank. joining me and uh, i know this won't be your last time in in the studio well, i hope
2: not i look forward to coming and seeing you seeing you again yeah definitely
1: but as we go out of this program i'll say my my farewells now but i'll let you uh, introduce our final song
2: Well, I actually um, trained for ministry, a guy called Tim Hughes, who pulled together this extraordinary UK blessing video um, earlier this year as a massive kind of jolt of hope in the midst of COVID-19. And many people have seen it, of course, on YouTube. It exists as a video. Um, This version of the blessing is from earlier. Um, It's from Elevation Worship, but it's a really powerful, wonderful song. And it's you know, such a testimony to the power of the gospel to overcome these difficult times. Uh, This is the blessing.
8: Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you
6: peace. Lord bless you. Upon. And be gracious to you.
3: The Lord turns his face toward you.
7: down from heaven. This isn't second guessing. We know that we are protected. May the peace that surpasses all understanding be our message. Grace and favors in your nature, in your essence. May his favor be upon you and a
6: thousand generations and your family and your children and their children, the children and the children. May his favor
0: Children, and their children, and their children, and their children, and, and a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May His presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you.